Welcome back to episode number 137 of The NP Dude. This is Jeff, The NP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's everybody out there, out there that's listening. I want to know what's bugging you, because if it's bugging you, it has to be bugging me. And if it's not bugging me, then I'll tell you it's not bugging me. <laughs> if you guys give me a comment I'm not really worried about, it, you're probably not going to hear it on the air. There you go. But usually I do try to respond to you guys. So if you guys send me something and you're like, I just don't understand this and it's very basic, I'll just handle it offline. So I usually send you send you to somewhere in my podcast and listen to this episode and I usually tag them with that specific episode or I actually answer it. Or sometimes I'll even say, here, call me. I've done that a handful of times. People are like, I just don't understand this. It's too complex and I'm driving and I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to text and die. So I'm going to go ahead and just give them a number and use, hope that you use discretion. Don't call me all the time because if you're out of state and I can't help you with stuff, it's just, you know, not necessary. Do it that way. you got to find your own lawyer in any other state other than Ohio. So what are we going to do today? We're going to go through a couple that I um, had received over the last, I don't know, week or so. Um, one, one was a cool one that I've been meaning to kind of get to and I just kind of keep forgetting about it. And uh, somebody with a really cool name that I didn't wasn't told I could use their name. I love that name, dude. I really do. I, I, you told me it was his real name. I, I just it's so cool. I love it. Um, I want a cool name. Maybe I'll change my name. <laughs> I don't know. My wife probably would divorce me. All right, sorry, intersection. So I want to go through a couple that I just received, and and uh, the other one I want to go through first is. Um, an email exchange that I had with a listener that um, had a situation where they treated somebody and the person didn't like what they did and gave them a false rating on, I don't know what it was, I think it was Yelp, maybe it was Yelp, but it was one of the rating services, so just say, you know, health grades or whatnot, and so um, the, the comment there is, is what, what can I do about a negative rating? on a system or on a service and um you know it was it was an opioid user and they wanted opioids or you know they wanted benzos or you know they wanted an antibiotic for the kid and they've been sick for three hours and i said no that's not appropriate or you know we just we clashed and they didn't like that but it wasn't it wasn't negligence and it wasn't you didn't do anything wrong and so they give you a negative rating now here's the thing rating systems are opinions so the, the problem is, is that when you get rated inherently, it's, you know, it, could it be defamation? It could be, but maybe it was true. So the, the big thing about defamation, and I've done a podcast talking about health grades and defamation and that kind of stuff in the past. So I've kind of touched on some of this stuff, but the thing, the thing that, um, that I want to make sure you guys understand is that if they have true, um, evidence of, of truth that what they're saying is true, that's a pure defense. So you're never going to win a suit, a lawsuit, nor would you want to bring one. And, and the, the listener brought up a point of, you know, what about HIPAA violations? So if I respond to a Yelp review about me and I say, well, look, they gave me a negative review because they wanted narcotics and blah, blah, blah. Well, now you just blew a HIPAA. So yeah, you can't do that. You still have to rise above. That's, you know, we're held to a higher standard regardless of what our Yelp ratings are, which sucks because you want good ratings out there. You want people to recognize that you're doing a good job and that you're doing a great service. One of the things that's funny is my brothers are physicians and one of my brothers calls me up and I'm, I'm probably shouldn't talk about this because he listens occasionally, but I'm, I'm going to talk about it anyways because I thought it was funny. Um, he must have just gotten a bad rating. 
because he's really good at what he does. And so somebody probably just, you know, wrong day, wrong person, just, you know, didn't click well or something, and he got a bad rating. And so um, it's funny because he calls me up and says, Jeff, I want to create a rating system, and I want to make a podcast or an app for all the phones out there for providers so that we could rate the patients. <laughs> I thought, dude, you got too much time on your hands if you got time to worry about rating your patients. You know, if they're like a bad patient, you could let other providers know, hey, don't take this schmuck because they're going to ruin your ratings. They, they like to, you know, bash people on rating systems. And, you know, they, you, no matter what you do, you're going to get a negative rating because you don't do what they want or whatever it is. It's, they just want a provider to, you know, use that as leverage to get steroids every time they have a wheeze, you know, or, you know, just opiates or brenzos or whatever it is it doesn't matter whatever they want just your attention you know and you're not giving it to them because they're in there a hundred times a month whatever it is right i told him i said no that's a bad bad plan (laughs) that's a very bad plan i don't know how you would control that and and nor would nor would most providers really want to do that i i I wouldn't want to go rate my my patients but my philosophy about rating systems, and this is, and I'll get more into what this specific individual did to, to help correct her situation, which I thought was fantastic, by the way. But what I think about rating systems is this. If you rate me, and same goes on my podcast, if you rate me and I read the review and I'm like, yeah, that review, no one in their right mind would read that review and say, oh, okay, well, that that's valuable, okay? Then, then you know, I... I who cares? Let them say whatever they want. Rise above it. Now, my other brother does this. His, like, hardcore fan patients that love him, he has them. He has, like, a little form that, you know, it's like when you walk out the door, don't forget to rate us on health grades. And so he gets his health grades percentage, you know, is really high. He's got a lot of people that rate him. And so what's cool is that he's not doing anything wrong, and he's just letting people know about the service so that if you do get a crappy rating out there, it's completely overshadowed by the, the hundred other people that say you're, you know, five out of five stars and you're doing an awesome job. And that one person that didn't like that you didn't give them narcotics just fades into the, the oh, yeah, it's just an idiot. They don't, they're just being spiteful. And so that that's one way to handle it as well. Now, what the, this listener did of, of the show was actually contacted the service the rating service and said, look, I got this negative rating. I can't tell you anything about the situation because it is good. That would be a HIPAA violation, but I'm going to tell you that this person rated me and it's unfair and it should not be done. And it's defamatory. And I'm not saying I even saw this patient. I'm not saying I've treated this patient, but this person put a rating on me and I don't want that on there because it's not true and it's not accurate. And I may have to go to a lawsuit to get this corrected. And they took it down. So there is recourse through some of these systems. So if you if you take the energy to figure out the pathway, you know, if you've got 10 ratings and four of them are negative, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could probably go do that, but that's, that's you're starting to get a sample. We're doing research now, right? So you're starting to get a fairly larger sample. You know, I don't know if, you know, usually in a, in a research study, it's what, 30 is a, is a good sample size. So I don't know if you're going to get it with two or three people, but you know, if you've got a hundred people and you got half of them saying you correct your crap, you're probably not going to get that service to change them. There's enough people that don't like what you do. What you do is you tell your, your fans, Hey, you know what? People are saying bad things about me on this, this thing. If you really like what I'm doing, then I need you to help me out. I need you to help tell people that I'm doing a good job. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a great way to do it. But going to the service was, I, you know, I would have, I would have just been like, eh, whatever. I would have blown it off. It's not worth my energy. 
it would have it would have chapped my ass for about an hour, and then I would have just been like, oh, hey, look, <laughs> I got shit to do. Let's go be productive and go do something else. I, I don't know if you want to fight every single one of those. Now, if it becomes a pattern, then they're, they're probably going to say, look, maybe you aren't very good at what you do. Maybe there are things that you're doing that people don't like. The opiate one's different. You know what I mean? I get that. But great question. Regroup on that one, though. Go back and listen to my other podcasts that I've done on uh, health grades and, and see if I'm consistent, because it was a long time ago that I did that show. And, and I still feel that, uh, you know, I think what I said in that last one was, you know, I don't really care. It is what it is. You know, people say what they say, and then you let other people know and let them try to outshadow it and uh, do a good job. Do a good job every day, and you have to treat we're providers in that we provide healthcare services, but we also provide a service. We're in a service industry. So if you provide a service, you got to be good with your clients. You have to be able to say in a tactful way, look, I'm not going to give you opiates and have them still walk out of the room loving you. They may not like the situation, but you got to do something for them though. I mean, you got to figure out some way to help them. Say, look, I can't do the opiates. I really can't, but I'm going to, you know, let's try to get you into pain management or, you know, what's really the issue? Maybe it's not a pain issue. Maybe they're really looking for somebody just to talk to. Maybe they're in pain because they're depressed. Maybe you need to get them to counseling. I mean, that's the the thing. I mean, if you spend a little extra time and try to figure it out, maybe it's not just the back pain or the narcotic surgery. And, and, And there's no good answer there because some people just, they just want what they want. You can't, you can't abate that. I have people that come in all the time and they're like, every time I know they're going to ask me for, you know, benzos. So-and-so gives them to me. Well, good. Go to so-and-so. Well, I can't get in there for six months. Okay. Well, you know, I can't help you. I'm sorry about that. Let's figure out another plan. Maybe we can come up with another way to fix this and then try to help with something. And at least you tried to do something instead of just saying no. And I'm not saying this listener did that. I'm just, that's, that's the, the way I think we need to be. You have to be a business person. You have to think as a business. I was listening to one of the AANP um, CMEs, and it was one about um, business leadership or something like that. And it didn't tell me anything I didn't know. And there was there was one thing that I didn't know in there, and it was a word that I just it was a made up word that I was like, oh, that's kind of a neat idea, but um, it's a concept instead of a word. It's called intrapreneur, right? Instead of an entrepreneur intrapreneur and so the idea between that and this is their words not mine I'm going to kind of summarize what they said the idea is that you're when you go to work you have to think like an entrepreneur even though you're not the owner of the business so you have to be thinking of okay I got to get this client to want to come back to me and tell 10 friends because if I don't I'm going to be out of business if they don't have work for me I'm gone now, in some instances, you go work in a hospital system, and it's, you know you always get sick people coming in. Maybe it's not as big of a deal. You can kind of be short with people. Maybe not be as personable. Maybe not that that philosophy. But I think that that's the wrong attitude. I think that every NP out there needs to be um, talking to their clients and treating them as a as a as a client instead of just a patient. And I think that you would you would see that your professionalism will improve. Your your way with your patients and dealing with these these really, really hard to discuss topics gets better every time. It gets easier every time. So I, I like that idea, that the concept of the entrepreneur, but I, I, I never really 
thought of it as a as a word. I just you know you treat everybody as though they're your client, regardless of what the situation is. And even when you own your own company, you always answer to somebody else. People think, oh, I'm my own boss. I can do whatever the hell I want. Well, yeah, you can, but you might end up with no clients. If you're a jerk to everybody, you're not going to have anybody come to you. So you have to answer to the clients, regardless. So you might as well get in that mindset now. I think is you know you'd be an entrepreneur or even within an organization. That's that's the way I've always thought about it. But it's now they put a word to it. So go AAMP, yay! Love my CMEs on AAMP. I do like two or three of them every weekend. Sit there and work in the greenhouse or working around the house. Let those things play. Listen to them in my headphones. Take the post test. Bam, done. Getting my hours. I'm over halfway done with my hours for the next five years, and I'm only 18 months in on my career. Go get it done. Plus, I'm learning stuff. It's cool. It's great. You always should be learning. All right. Option number two for today. Subject number two, I guess. Psych NP um, sends me a note. Says, um, trying to buy a bunch of crap on your Amazon affiliate link. I said, awesome. And they're not showing up. And I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe it's the the type of item if it's not prime or something. I don't know. Something's weird there. But um, they they didn't show up. So maybe they they will tomorrow. I don't know. I hope so because you bought a bunch of stuff. Some cool stuff, man. That's awesome. I so want to try what you're getting. It's really cool. It's a cooking implement. So it's called sous vide. It's where it's like you put your meat and food in like plastic bags and then you like boil it to a very specific temperature. It's like very scientific like cooking. And I think it'd be cool, but you gotta have the right equipment. You can't just throw it in a pot and do it. You gotta have the right stuff. It's so cool. I wanna try it. Anyways, um, question comes in from a psych standpoint. Now, I'm family practice, so just in disclosure, I'm family practice. Someone comes in and they say, you know, I want a therapy pet and I want you to sign my papers because I need my therapy pet so I can keep him in my apartment. Um, what's my liability? And I see this wrong all the time on the Facebook threads. And I always want to say something, but I don't want to get sucked into the rabbit hole because it's not worth it. And I've meant to talk about this one, so I'm glad that he pointed this, brought this to the forefront because I've been meaning to talk about it. I'm going to go through two scenarios. I'm going to go through the scenario in family practice, and then I'm going to go through the scenario in um, psych. And, and from the legal standpoint of what your liability is. The... Um, the legal liability of, of writing a note for a therapy dog, quote-unquote, is very little. So when somebody gets bitten, and there's gonna, people are going to be arguing with me, and I'm gonna, I'll defend this to the death because I think it's ridiculous. And I think that it's too remote of a, of a nexus or connection between an incident between a dog biting someone that happens to be a service dog, quote-unquote, and the... Um, and the professional that wrote a note saying that, yes, it is, a, it is okay for you to have a service dog. I don't get to say at all what service dog it is. I don't get to look at the dog. I don't evaluate the dog. I don't get, you know, paperwork saying it's been trained and that it's been safe and that it's, you know, all these different things um, that prove that it is a uh, service dog and safe. Because there's no guarantees on any of that, right? You could have a service dog that just snips at somebody, even though they've been trained. I mean, how do you... I don't know. So I think that the connection and the nexus between the the provider that is writing a note that says that any service dog is fine for your emotional support therapy animal. It's fine. You can have it. You could even put it that vague. You can have an emotional support animal. You know? It could be a turtle. I don't care. It could be a squirrel. I just saw a squirrel. So that's why I said squirrel. Whatever. 
I'm looking at a cow. I don't know if anybody has a therapy cow. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. So as far as the liability is concerned, it's low. Now, here's the reason I don't do it in FNP world is that, number one, I don't want the headache. Here's, here's my reasoning. I, I had it happen several times to me throughout my career so far where I get people that show up on my schedule, no history of anxiety or depression, no, no anything. They're crying because their landlord found out that they got a dog and they want a note because somebody in their apartment complex said, just go down to your provider and ask them for a note. And they, can't, they have to leave, let you have it. So they schedule on my appointment. They're Medicaid, so they don't even pay for that. And they don't pay a copay. And they show up and they say, I want a support dog. And I said, okay, well, let's get you to counseling. I don't need counseling. Okay, well, let's start you on an antidepressant. I don't need medicines. Okay, well, then you don't need a therapy dog. You're just looking for an excuse to keep your dog that you knew you weren't supposed to have, and you violated the rules of your lease. So the problem I have as a family practice nurse practitioner when I get people asking for these notes is that it's a tight-knit community in apartment complexes. If, if, if Jill finds out that you're the guy that, that writes these notes for people, you're going to have 100 people on your schedule, Medicaid, just to come get a note. You're going to be the guy. Right? Everybody in that apartment. And I don't think that's fair to the apartment complex owner. They're having dogs crapping all over their yard. Nobody's picking up the crap outside. There's, you know, people ripping, dogs ripping screens. They're scratching at the wall. They're chewing on the furniture. They're chewing on the walls. They're, you know, ripping through the doors. You know, it's just, it's not fair to that guy, in my opinion. Now, if somebody needs a therapy animal, I'm all for it. If it makes them better at what they do through life and functional then I'm cool with it, but you got to go to the right person that can evaluate whether you really have the need for that and whether that need would be met by that particular therapy. And that's not me. I could guess. And I know people all the time say, oh, I'll write them every time. I don't care. It's a dog. It doesn't hurt me. Well, sure it does. Because every time they rip through a door, rip through a wall, rip through anything, your prices of rentals go up. And maybe you rent. I don't know. But it does affect people in a downstream manner. And I think that that's a bunch, bunch of crap. I don't like it. I don't like being taken advantage of it. I don't be, like being manipulated. So I, I shut that down immediately. And and I it's not that I'm not trying to help them. I do it in my professional way, in my entrepreneurial spirit. as well. Oh, that's really sad. I didn't know you were having those problems. I've seen you a dozen times in the last three months. And yet I've never heard that you had anxiety or depression. It's not in your chart. Let's work on that. Tell me more about that. And then they make up some more crap, still hoping that you're going to actually give them the note. And I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds really traumatic. You know, and all those issues, you, you really should be in counseling. I can get you a referral. We can get you to counseling. And that tells me everything. If they're serious about it, they're going to want to go to counseling. And that's appropriate. That's where they should go. And if, you may need a therapy dog. And I don't tell them no. I say, I'm not going to do it. But you might need it. So let's get you to the right people. You can go talk to a, to a psychiatrist or psychologist or counseling. Let's see if they can get you a note. So I don't tell them no. I just say I'm not going to do it. But we can, I can give you the pathway. We'll see how bad they really want this dog. <laughs> if they want to play it up for that long, then that's their choice. I don't care. That's outside of my world, though. That goes to psych people. Now, psych people, here's the deal. You get somebody that comes in and you really think they would benefit from an animal, you write the note. I don't see a problem with it. There's no liability. Well, oh, geez, we're going to sue the psychiatric nurse practitioner for writing a note that says that this person can have an animal that is a therapy animal. Well, yeah, you can. Now it's on the the owner to have to have uh, the the 
the wherewithal to actually get a therapy dog, not just a you know pit bull, this untrained that eats kids' faces. <laughs> it's not a therapy dog, dude. It's different. So the, the liability of owning a pet is still the, the owner's liability. It doesn't matter if, whether it's a service dog, a therapy dog, or any other. It doesn't matter. The therapy dog training is just evidence to the owner that this this animal can handle the, the 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 needs of the individual. And if it's just for therapy, it just makes them feel comforted to have a kitty cat or a little puppy dog or a giant pit bull. That's up to them. That's on them. That's on the owner. Now they may not have any money. Somebody may threaten to sue you because oh, that's my therapy dog. My, you know, it was mandated by. Sorry, that clicking. By the way, everybody wants to know. They say, "What's that clicking?" It's my visor, and I drive into the sun, so my my visor clicks. So I apologize. It's not like my engine braking, <laughs> not yet, anyways. So the the thing the thing about this the the animal thing is it's just it's a non it's a non issue to me. It's not the liability issue that it is that's the the problem. It's more whether this person's trying to manipulate me as a family provider, you know, if people are going to psych, they got issues. They probably deserve a therapy animal or, or may be beneficial to them. Now, if they're bipolar and they're, you know, not going to, going to be in a depressive state and they're not going to be able to take care of the animal, then maybe it's not the best choice. You know, you don't want to, you don't want them having legal troubles because they, you know, neglected an animal and now they end up, you know, in jail for abusing animals or something. But if you really believe that they've got the wherewithal and the capability to take care of an animal and it's going to make them more functional in whatever area they are in life, give them the therapy animal. I don't care. It's their responsibility to be smart about what kind of animal they use. They're still the owner. Who's the owner? You're not the owner. So from a negligence standpoint or from a, from a dog bite case which is really what it comes down to, is who's the owner and what, what, what kind of um, evidence do they have that shows that uh, they, they, they foreseeably believe that this dog was, was or was not a danger to the public. Here's the examples. Jill goes, comes to you and says, and I'm just using Jill, I don't know why, it seems like a good name, right? Jill comes to you as a psych NP and says, I, you know, I really need a therapy dog. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going on an airplane ride and, and I get really nervous and anxiety and I'm already maxed out on my benzodiazepines and, and I really want to get off of those and I've increased my SSRIs and I'm taking other medicines and I, you know, I don't, I'm not psych, so I'm just giving you what I think they would do, right? And I'm in counseling and I'm talking through and we're doing cognitive behavioral therapy and, and I still just, I, I have to go to, you know, California from Ohio and I got to get on this long airplane ride and I'm nervous about it. And I, I think my, my pet which is a, you know, Yorkshire Terrier, terrier uh, who has never bitten anybody and is very mild, um, would, I think, would be beneficial that I could take this dog with me. And um, my question to the patient would be, okay, is this dog used to people? Is, would it be, make you more anxious if your dog was anxious? Would, would that really benefit you? Is this, is this animal very mild-mannered or is it the hyperactive, super, you know, bouncing off the walls animal that would make your anxiety possibly worse in those circumstances? At home, your dog is great. Have you ever been out in public with this dog? 
Yes or no? Well, no, I've never been out in public. Well, you might want to check that before we go any further. I mean, I'm not saying no, but maybe we need to think about this. Has your dog been trained to do therapy, to be a therapy dog? No. Well, maybe we should think about, you know, getting a dog that is trained for that, that has been proven and tested that it, it is mild-mannered in public so that it can keep your anxiety down. See what I'm saying? Those would be questions I would ask. It wouldn't necessarily be a straight-up yes or straight-up no. See? Click. All right, buddy. You got it, lady. Come on. I'm going for it. So my air conditioning broke in my car. Isn't that great? Love it. It's like 100 degrees in my car right now. <laughs> we go from freezing to like 100 degrees. It's insane. Notice my air, air conditioning's not working. I think the shop that did work on it jacked it up on accident. Or on purpose. I don't know. I gotta go yell at them. I don't want to do that. All right. So, um... I, as a psych NP, I would I would really be trying to delve into like you know let's let's make good choices in life, and so if they are very stable and um, doing well, but they would benefit from it, and they have an animal that you know they they are you know you can trust them that they're reasonably understanding that this is a good idea, that's then that's good to go. The problem that I would come in more with isn't so much that that you would be liable for an animal attack, but I would be. I would be more concerned with, does this animal, will it do its intended purpose? Will, will it have an, an, the, meet the goals of the intended purpose? And I don't know if it would in a lot of cases. So if you're at home and your animal's at home and it's to be used at home and your, your animal's this, you know, very gentle, mild-mannered, you know, yellow lab that's not hyper and super laid back or golden retriever or something like that, and uh, they're, they're like, no, I just, I, 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 my dog is, you know, I want him to come live with me and I had to move and I, you know, I really, this dog makes my home life better and it gives me purpose and I talk to it and he's like my therapy dog. So that's kind of the damn thing. There's, there's no line. This dog goes out and rips off some kid's face. Then that's not your fault. That's not your liability. They could try to get you, but you're going to get dropped. I mean, you're going to get... Every time you write a note out there, this kid's okay for sports. Everything seems normal on exam, but then they go out and blow a gasket, have a heart attack. Are you liable? Maybe. But if you look at your chart, everything was normal. There was just zero indication that this kid couldn't play sports. I'm still potentially liable for everything. It's all degrees, right? Are you going to stop giving out sports notes? Eh, whatever. So it was a good topic, the therapy animal thing, and people always get it wrong, in my opinion. They always say, oh, yes, I don't do it because I will be liable, and I tell them that. Well, that might be a good excuse, but it's not It's not real. I would just rather be honest with the patient and say, look, I don't think you need this. Or if you do, then we need to get the right people to say yes. Now, if you're in psych and you're trying to you know, weave this so that you really don't think that this is a good idea and you don't want to give them the note but yet you still have to keep them as a client, keep them happy, then you got to get creative a little bit sometimes. Not lie to them, but, you know, just sell it in a certain way. Say, look, that dog is probably not the best therapy dog. They're, you know, they're not trained. They, you know, they're, they're of an aggressive breed. Is that smart for you? Do you really want to do that? That, that might cause more problems to you. Or, you know, your condition isn't such that you should be taking care of an animal right now. Let's get you stable first, and then maybe we'll go there. 
I don't know. That's how I would try to handle it. Good questions. Good questions. Mm-hmm. Name, dude. <laughs> I want to do sous vide cooking. <laughs> it's awesome. God, I wish that were posted. I would have. I would have mentioned that. That would have been so cool. All right, guys. We're at 27 minutes and 54 seconds. How are you guys going to support the show? I want you to tell your friends. If you're a student, this this podcast is really for the newer NP. But I get a lot of you know seasoned veterans that just really like to reinforce the things that they've known or have forgotten about practice or never knew. I mean, that can happen too. But this is really geared towards new NPs. So tell your student buddies that, you know what, I've got this this wacky guy driving in the back roads of Ohio, killing time, talking on the phone, giving us giving us ideas to think about. My, my goal in this podcast is for you guys to be educated enough on topics that you can pick up the ball, get on the Google, and learn it yourself so that you know how to handle stuff in the future. That's really it. Just use common sense. Most of the time, that's enough to get you there. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people in, in all professions that just don't have good common sense. That's sad. Part of the CNPC group, right? That's why we need to raise the bar entrance. Thin the herd a little bit. Somebody posted yesterday on Facebook that the program that they're looking at has... Let's see if I can get the numbers right. 25 sessions available for you to sign up to take advanced assessment for an online program. And I'm not bashing online programs. I'm just bashing this particular situation. It just happens to be an online one. It could be a brick and mortar that has an online component to it. But it has 25 sessions for you to sign up for. And the class sizes are estimated at 30 people per class. That's 750 students available for a specific class. So could you imagine looking around a room and seeing 640 or 740 to 30, 49 other people in a classroom and saying, how the hell are we all going to find clinical sites? How the hell are we going to find jobs in two years when we graduate? If you graduate 700 people from one school, now that's online, but just imagine if you were a brick and mortar and, and you know, 30 of your best friends just graduated with you and you really love them and they're great and you would work with them or for them or or have your your family go to them as a provider, and you looked around and saw 12 jobs opened up, and you had 30 people fighting for those 12, and you're all friends, and you're all good. Can you imagine if you had 750 people in your community that just dumped out looking for jobs to take up a couple dozen opportunities? Jesus, what the hell are they doing to us? This is our leadership, is allowing this. We need to fight this. So I encourage you to join the Clinical Nurse Practitioners for Change Facebook group. Um, we're, we're starting discussions on it. We've got uh, got the EIN number yesterday. We got the organ- articles of incorporation done. I'm working on bylaws this week and next. We're going to be uh, creating an organization that um, is going to be um, holding the feet to the flame. Just to let the let the, the leadership in, in our organizations know that we're watching what they're doing. And if they don't make this a priority, then we will. And um, so that's part of what we're doing. The other thing is, is we're working to um, let this, the CCNE, which is the accreditation body for the, organiza- or the uh, schools, nursing schools, let them know that we're all paying attention. So I need you guys. We have a couple more days. We have a week left 
for comments. So go to the CNPC Facebook group or email me, jeff at the npd.com. I don't care. And I'll get the information for you guys to post uh, an email and send it to the CCNE, which is the accrediting body, to let them know that we want clinical sites and that we want to increase the admission standards in NP schools because right now it's, it's not there. It's, it's a disaster, and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill the, the economy for NPs. So if you're willing to change jobs or wanting to change jobs, guess what? You might want to do it now before they flood the market even worse. It's going to be exponential. It's already exponential since I've been, since I started NP World. It's been exponential since then. So if you like your job, you better do a better job of it. Be nice and happy and love your peoples because there's going to be a lot of people that are smart, talented people that are hungry and want your job makes it hard really makes it hard all right so anyways tell your buddies tell your friends i want you guys to go on facebook i want you to give me a like give me a share tell your friends that you're listening and also give me a rating there as well itunes i got another rating keep them coming i don't care what it is but if it's negative i just want to know why you think it's negative just to you say hey you know jeff i don't really don't like you you're annoying as hell okay give me a one i don't care it doesn't bother me but i want you to tell me why because if, it, if it's something i can fix i'll try i really will people want me not to do the uh i had three people in a year and a half tell me they don't like the intro okay that's okay so i'm going to change it a little i'll see if other people like it i don't care I'll change it up a little bit but you guys got to know how to support the show you can also use that amazon affiliate link i was talking about how do you do it so in case you were having trouble with it, here's what you do. You go to thenpdude.com. That's my webpage. You'll see an Amazon banner. It's on the right-hand side if you're looking at a full page on a regular computer. If you're on your phone, it's going to be at the bottom of the page. You click on the Amazon banner. It takes you to Amazon. You do the shopping that you otherwise would have. Now, sometimes if you like start buying stuff and forget about it, and then go back in and you just reopen that session of that... that um, um, purchase if it's been more than 24 hours then it kicks it out i don't get credit so i know that's one of the hang-ups so maybe that's what somebody did i don't know but if you if you're going to do your purchasing go do your purchasing complete your sale right away what it does is it kicks me back a couple percentage of your purchase it doesn't cost you anything more it really doesn't i promise you i wouldn't lie to you i really really wouldn't and it, what, what i'm using that for is um my web hosting because I'm, I'm starting to get a lot of data. <laughs> I got, I don't know, 70-some hours of podcasts out there now. That's a lot of that's a lot of bits. Bytes? Bits? I don't know. I'm not a techie anymore. I used to be. So that's a good way you can support the show is use the Amazon affiliate link. I appreciate that. If you want a Chronic Intractables t-shirt, look at this guy. guy wants to run across the street against the traffic. Come on, kid. Pay attention. He has no clue what he's doing. He's going to die. He just cut off in front of a kid. Or in front of a, a SUV. No kid. The other kid waited for the light. Good move, son. Be a role model. I bet he's a Boy Scout. Anyways, you can support the show by buying a Chronic Intractables t-shirt. What does it do? Nothing to me. It's just something fun to do, and I think they're cool. If you want to see what they look like, you can go onto my Facebook page. Um, you'll see the pictures of that. And uh, I'm, I'm making. I'm keeping copies of people taking pictures of themselves with it and one of these days I'm going to make a collage when I've got enough of them that, that are funny and stuff like that I'm going to post a collage of people wearing their chronic intractable shirts so send me a picture of you in your mm -hmm. chronic intractables t-shirt so 
Anyways, guys, I appreciate everything you guys are doing. It, I'm just having so much fun talking to you guys and, and learning from you and just thinking about things that I otherwise w- would have just neglected of like, oh, yeah, I know about that. Not a big deal. But it reminds me to keep that in my in my brain when I'm thinking about things when I'm working with patients. So I do appreciate you guys. Um, if you're working the, uh, the week here, I want you to be smart. Promoter profession, be safe. Don't do stupid crap, all right? Don't lose your license over other people's stupidity. Just because they don't understand what we do, it doesn't mean that you can you uh, should should put your neck out for someone else. Somebody wants you to do something that's going to ruin your life, you don't do it. It's that easy, right? I don't care what pressures there are, neither does the board. They don't care. They'll, they'll yank your license without thinking twice. So be smart, be safe. We'll talk soon.